Welcome to the podcast of the Renew Community. We strive to be a Jesus community who cares about the things Jesus cares about. This podcast was recorded at our last gathering. Teaching like this is how we worship together every other week. We look to the scriptures seeking to become more like Christ. We're glad you're listening. So we're here this morning and um, it's just really exciting for me to think about the ways in which I've seen hope rise up uh, in many of us over the years. Um, I have a passage I, I want to read and, and um, this is kind of a, for me, Advent is always a really uh, exciting time because of, of this little blue book. Um, one of my mentors from many years ago, a guy by the name of Branson Roberts gave this to me uh, my second year in ministry. And it follows the lectionary, which for those of you that doesn't, don't know what that big term means, it just means like the church has sort of like a reading plan that gets you through all of the scripture over three years. This is before the one-year Bible reading plan. I guess people read slower back then. Um, but what I appreciate about it is it, it just feels like it's this kickstart for my soul every year. And so uh, this morning, I, I want to read us a passage, and it's found in Romans. And I think this really helps sort of set the stage for us as we think about Advent. Besides this, you know what time it is, how it is now the moment for you to wake up from sleep, for salvation is nearer to us now than when we became believers. The night is far gone. The day is near. Let us then lay aside the works of darkness and put on the armor of light. Let us live honorably as in the day, not in reviling and drunkenness, not in debauchery or licentiousness, not in quarreling and jealousy. Instead, put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to gratify its desires. And so last week, Ben started us thinking about Advent, and today it officially begins. So that's like, how do you really do that? And for, you know, a lot of us this morning, this is sort of the beginning of, of our year. Uh, this feels like something special. And we'll gather here for the next four weeks, which is a big change. Uh, and we listen to the story of the coming of Christ. And it's in this season where we, we teach through the themes of hope and peace and joy and love. And if we're honest with ourselves, some of us are really pumped. And there are also some of us who are probably kind of like, oh, man, it's that same thing we do every year, year in, year out. It's like going to get my driver's license at the DMV every five years. But this happens every year. And I think that that's okay. Because there are certain rhythms within the, our life, within our seasons, where when we come to it, it sort of reenacts something. It kickstarts something within us. And if you're kind of bored of Advent, I'm excited for you because I think when we hit boredom, that's when God starts to show up. And so I am really excited, as you can tell, but there's also part of me that, that it feels that tension. It's like every year we talk about this stuff. Every year we're waiting. Every year we, we, we reenact hope. We reenact peace. We reenact joy. We reenact love. We think about these things. We spend time. And so why Advent? Why do we do this? Because there's something about our antennas being up during this season. And I don't know about some of you, but this is the time of year when what I recognize is how deformative our culture becomes. And so it's not that far on your scroll down in Facebook or Instagram or whatever social media thing you're on that you begin to see the advertisements and they just hit you 
Like it's like a wave and you don't even realize that it's hitting you, but it's just pounding you. You know, you need this to be happy. You need this to feel good. If you want hope, this will solve it. And it's only $9.99 just today because of Black Friday. We also sense these, these, these dark rhythms or these deformative rhythms around debt um, to think about the way America and the world goes into debt around the season where God reenacts, where we reenact as the church, the, the, the greatest gift of all, but God giving himself to us. We see mob mentality that just runs a ruckus. There was this thing on, did anyone, any children of the eighties? So when I say cabbage patch kids, is anyone, can I get an Amen from some of you, like I saw this old video and I didn't realize how big of a thing that was, but there were like mobs and riots because people wanted to get cabbage patch kids for their children. And this doesn't, this hasn't really stopped. In fact, in some ways it's probably gotten a lot worse. There seems to be this deep sense of distraction in our culture during this time. Maybe if I just turn up the Christmas songs a little bit louder, maybe I won't have to deal with all the mess that's around me. Maybe if I put out a few more lights, things inside will feel just a little bit better. But we just notice the busyness and the hurriedness in a season where God actually acted really slow. He slowed down. And it's funny because when we come to the story of the birth of Christ, what we, what we miss is that those first two chapters are like a nine month, which even beyond that is like a thousand, couple thousand year waiting period of Christ to come. And so Advent comes to us like this wild, unbelievable anti-establishment message in the face of the empire. It is subversive in nature, and as the days get shorter and the nights get longer, we progress into and we press into the hope of Christ, the light of Christ. Advent is a time when God calls us to take down on our, our umbrellas, because what I appreciate is, yes, God gave us the gift of his one and only son, but as he left, he also, what Renew's been growing is he's given us the gift of his Holy Spirit. Like we get that. That's part of who we are. That's part of our identity. That's part of what we've been pressing into as a community. I really appreciate the way as a community we celebrate uh, Advent and we observe it in some really cool rhythms. One of them being the boxes of love, which I think we have like eight or nine left at the 10 left at this point in time. So every single box that you pick up today, you fill it with food, you bring it back here to the service next Sunday. And that food goes to feed families here at the Boys and Girls Club. What I appreciate is that's like boots to the ground ministry. It's not just something that we're like, oh, here, here's something to do, but that's actually boots to the ground. Like it's a way for us to give something so small that makes such a huge impact. Uh, I appreciate the wreath. It enters us back into this rhythm, this circular thing, and that every week we see candles lit and it's a reminder of the coming of Christ. As the days get darker, the light becomes much stronger. We have the Jesse tree for families that if you haven't picked up your packet, go grab it. We have the Tyrannus calendar. So if you are a family that wants to figure out ways that you can uh, give to our initiative called Hall Tyrannus uh, that JR has started, please go back and check that out. Um, and what I really am excited about is the fact that our community this year is looking to give education away to uh, potential pastors and missionaries in India and Pakistan. 
And so I just want to make one real quick announcement of that. So here's, here's what's going to happen. We're going to have an advent box out for the next couple of weeks. It's not here this week, just as the juice isn't here this week. Um, but we're going to have that out for the next few weeks. And so anything that goes into the advent box is going to go straight to their general fund. If you want to support a student, and if you all remember for a student in Pakistan, it was like 480 bucks. And for a student in uh, India, and that's two-year education, and a student in India, two years, it was like $960 or something like that. So if you're interested in supporting a student, uh, go back there to the table, pick it up, and it has all the directions on how to do that. If you just want to give to their general fund, you can go right here. Okay? All right, so we begin Advent with hope. And what is hope? It's not this wishy-washy kind of untrue optimism. Um, it's, it's not just this I wish for, but it's an I expect to. Uh, without, it's not without this, this, this certainty, but it has this deep certainty in the person of, or in something that has this deep sense of truth to it. In scripture, the Greek word that we come across for hope, it, it's, it's, the idea is this, that it is this indication of something that has deep certainty. Uh, it is a strong and confident expectation. It is akin to trust and a confident expectation. Hope is something that has a concrete to it. It's like an anchor that we throw into the promises of God. Hope that we have is not just something that we hatch at the last minute to feel better, but it is something that has been the ongoing story of God and his faithfulness to unfaithful people. And what I'm learning about hope is that hope is activated most when the people of God worship God. There's something that happens to our souls when we begin to switch our focus off of ourselves and onto the person of Christ. It changes the atmosphere in our homes. It changes the, the, the dynamics in my soul. It changes the dynamics of this church, this building, this community. A worshiping community is activating hope. And so when we come to church, when we come to gather together and we pull our faith and we begin to worship, we are activating hope within a community. We're going to get to some scriptures that I think uh, really help explain how a lot of this stuff works. However, let me press in for a few minutes. But the journey to get to hope isn't an easy one, as we heard tears this morning, because it normally means that there's something difficult that has happened, or you're in a difficult season or a difficult spot. Or whenever someone is talking about hope, there's a deep backstory. There's a story that normally has suffering in it, because hope just doesn't come out of nowhere. But hope comes to places that are difficult. It comes to experiences that are hard and it pulls us into this, this, this beautiful space of God's goodness. And we need that in this season because there seems to be so much hopelessness in the air these days. Uh, literally, it feels like everything is going to hell in a handbasket as we are even sitting here today. My guarantee is if you pulled up your phone and you looked at the top five news articles or whatever on whatever news app you read, it's all going to be positive or negative stuff. Negative, right? And it's like this, like we live in a deformative culture that just continues to kind of pull our mind and our eyes and our lives off of the person of Christ, his goodness. And it just throws us into these deep, desperate pits. 
And I want to remind us that hope does not arrive in a politician. It will never rise, arise in a political party, and it doesn't come in strength or power. But it comes to us in a manger. Hope comes to us in a manger. And what God does in that manger is, as the writer of Romans says, he calls us to wake up, to place our hope in God, who is at work, and to dream again. Let me be clear. Hope does not pretend that difficult things are not there. It's not this thing that just brushes over everything like, oh, we're just going to put on a happy face and move forward. That's not hope. I don't know what that is, but that's weird and it doesn't feel authentic. But hope comes to us. It is this, it's as the passage is suggesting, it calls us to wake up to the bigness of God, to be reminded that you're part of a much bigger story of redemption in the world in which we live, that we're part of his radical love, that the reality of the kingdom and the power of the Holy Spirit is real, and that hope for us as followers in Christ doesn't become something that we just mentally aspire to, but it becomes a choice that we make on a daily basis. And so what does it look like when you're struggling with, a, with an illness and you, and you are practicing hope? It means like you continue to cast your faith into that, say, God, I'm going to trust that you're going you're gonna, to you're gonna help me heal from this. You're going to help me grow from this. You're doing something in the midst of this. Life has enough struggles as it is. And somehow God in his beautiful economy uses all that hard stuff to, to create great opportunities for God to show up. And as I look out at most of you, I can think of stories of where I've seen hopelessness that was there and watching hope become reality in most of your lives. And that's like a beautiful, beautiful illustration of how I think hope works. Because as a community, we've been practicing this a lot in the last few months. We've been talking about the spirit coming. We've been talking about what it looks like to allow the Lord to run wild and just to, to show up in the spaces that we long for him to show up in. And what I've learned is this, and I've learned just, just a few things, and they're just three things, really, that hope is communal. Hope is communal. Many of us, we carry these burdens inside and outside of this place on a daily basis. It's like the monkey on our back, and it is there all the time. And the enemy will run wild in our lives when we keep it to ourselves, when we keep the difficult situations and the hardships to ourselves. Uh, Hopelessness will grow in that atmosphere. It'll grow in that environment. The most thin space, have you guys ever heard of the idea of thin space where heaven and earth come close? Um, the most thin space in this entire building is, is in that back section of the gym, uh, right by where the closet, where the little ramp is, where the closet where we store our stuff in. Like it's a thin space. Heaven and earth seems to meet back there. And a lot of times in tears. Uh, that's the space where, where I've had folks uh, come and chat about miscarriages. That's, a, that's, that's the space where where, uh, where the hope that's running around upstairs uh, first talked to me about hopelessness that was back in infertility. I've heard conversations of marriage, marriages that have been on the rocks, of jobs that have been lost, of depression, of anxiety, of loss of a husband, wife, dad, mom, or friend, of financial debt. The list goes on and on. But there's like a thin space back there. I don't know what it is, but it's beautiful. And I think what happens is in those spaces, it's almost like when, when we come to the point where we feel like all hope is lost and we cry out is when all of a sudden, like that is that first act of faith where God begins to do something brand new in hope. And what I appreciate it 
is that it happens within community. It doesn't just happen with one person. And it's like, it's almost like there's that speed bump that I know a lot of us experience, especially those of us that have struggled with addiction. When it's like you come to that space and you just don't want to live in addiction, you don't want to have addiction any longer, but like you're so afraid that you're going to be judged and like that shame thing kind of bubbles around. But there's something that happens the minute you speak it out, it just like falls apart. And then all of a sudden it like snowballs into, I can tell other people and other people and other people, and they can walk with me and they can carry me and they can be, be my, be my, my people that are holding up my arms and helping me to walk through this difficult space. I think about the story of Moses. Uh, he was supposed to hold up his arms for this battle to be won and he's got his arms up. And then, I mean, have any of you ever tried to hold your arms up for a really long period of time? It's like the weirdest thing in the world. Like, how is this? I mean, I, you know, I've, really big, muscular, strong arms, but even they tend to fall at times. But what I love about the story is, is then the community gets around and they hold up his arms. And so like, that's the picture of what a community looks like, who is active, who is activating hope together is that we hold up the arms of our brothers and our sisters. Uh, Just one story that has been really powerful for me um, I, I heard a story this week uh, of someone that that has gone through a miscarriage, and it is like gut wrenchingly difficult stuff. And I saw this email that was sent out, and it was it was beautiful, and it just said, "I don't have hope. I need you all to be my hope." And I thought that is what it looks like to engage in hope in some of the hardest spaces. To say that. Even like, it's almost like that prayer, like, Lord, I want to want you, Lord. I hope that I can have some hope. It's, it's sort of this weird backwards way of getting to it. But I think there's something really amazing about the authenticity of what that looks like. And what I appreciate is I know the people that are around that person have been doing just that. I've had conversations with some of you in the ways that you've been doing that. And it's beautiful. So hope is communal. And what I know about that too is that communities of faith that live with the idea of hope present and in front of them at all times, uh, that is a community that makes a huge impact on the culture at large. Um, We're talking about communities that pay tuition for people in another country. That's what hope looks like. People that grab boxes and stuff it with food and all kinds of goodness and drop it off here on a Sunday because they just long to see other people blessed that aren't, that don't look like them, that don't talk like them, that aren't them. That is what it looks like for communities that actually go outside of themselves and begin to just say, how do we love our neighborhoods well? That's what hope activated in community looks like. And what I've learned about that is that hope is this beautiful thing that also calls us to collaboration. So hope is about collaboration. It calls us to action. And I think about what that beautiful passage of Romans 13 that I just read says is let us live honorably as in the day, not in reviling and drunkenness, not in all these other things. Instead, put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to gratify its desires. But hope calls us to action. If I'm going to be hoping in something, then I need to change the way that I begin to think about life. It just, it, ha- it happens. The day that I met Jesus uh, slobbering on my carpet at my parents' house at the age of 19 years old, I grabbed onto something. I don't even, like, I just, he was there and I grabbed onto him and I, he, he, actually, I think what happens, he grabbed onto me and he hasn't let me go. Well, even all the times I've, I've wanted to let go. 
but hope has changed me. It's been a slow journey, my friends, like soup, snail's pace, slow journey. But it's in these moments that Jesus begins to show up and he radically alters my life. Um, there's this really terrible joke. Uh, and some of you have heard me probably, most of you have heard me say it, but it's the joke about the person who's waiting for God to show up and, and help them. They're on the cliff and the waters are rising. You guys have all heard that. Yeah. You know, and someone Hey, I have a ladder. I'm waiting for God. Someone's like, Hey, I have a rope. I'm waiting for God. Helicopter shows up. Hey, I'll give you, I'm waiting for God. Then the guy dies, goes to heaven. And God was like, Hey, what, you know, like, like, why didn't you come and save me? It's like, I sent you a rope, a ladder and a helicopter. Like what else do I need to do? There's something about collaborating with the spirit when it comes to hope. Because when I set my mind to hope in this life that Christ has for me, in this life of abundance, in this life of goodness, in this life of fullness, then I have to begin to change the way that I think and the way that I orient my heart, my mind, and my soul. And so it calls me to collaborate with him. And what I appreciated about that collaboration means that I also bring the community in on that. But it does this beautiful thing where it doesn't just say, okay, well, just hope. That's wishful thinking. Hope is like action, boots to the ground stuff that actually pulls me into that space. It's like throwing your faith into it and pulling in. And what happens is you realize that God's been pulling you all along, but you're just taking these baby steps to see hope become alive and real. And this is the last thing that I've learned about hope. That hope is viral. It spreads We don't have to walk far in our towns, in our neighborhoods, uh, in our jobs to come in close contact with people who feel hopelessness. Sometimes the best thing we can do is just be present with someone when they're going through a rough time. This is spiritual work. This is the kind of work that I love to do when I'm sitting with people uh, anywhere. And it's like, I don't know if this happens to any of you all, but when I'm sitting with someone, I just notice hopelessness come like, the, the intercessor inside of me just begins to pray like, Jesus, you got this person. You love this person. Like, would you just body slam them into your reality at this moment? Would you show them how much you love them? Would you just come in these amazing ways, Lord? Would you meet them in the hopelessness? And what I appreciate about it is normally what happens when we enter into the spiritual work of being with other people, hope begins to grow and hope goes viral. And hope, this hope that is found in Christ, this incarnation, this resurrection, and this second coming becomes a reality for people. And maybe this is why, maybe this is why I think the church has done so well in the years that it's been alive. In the years since since Jesus left and he sent the spirit to just light the church on fire is that it seems to me that something happens with a church that, that practices hope where it just begins to change communities in really powerful ways. I wonder what it would look like if we became a community who continually pressed in to what it looked like to live out in a hopeful way, to do life in a way where, where everything that we do has this bent towards hope, this bent towards this, this day that we long for when the spirit and the bride, where us And the Holy Spirit, we look to Jesus and we say, come, Lord Jesus, come. And we're on our knees and we're crying because we long to see the bridegroom show up. And what I appreciate is God is not one who who hides himself, but he meets us where we are. He comes to the spaces. He comes to the hopelessness. And what I know to be true is that I, I wouldn't be foolish to think that some of us walked in here today with this heavy burden of hopelessness on our shoulders. I wish I could like in my mind's eye, like look at all the things that have been written down on these 
cloths on these strips just to take a picture mentally of like what we are hoping for as a community. And my guess is some of us feel like that hope probably feels a little bit like a pipe dream. But I want to encourage you this morning. If you're hopeless, if you feel like you need hope to just invade your soul, uh, when, when we have worship going on and stuff like that, what I want to ask you to do is like, just come and, and, and receive prayer. Come and, and pray. There'll be people ready to pray. Some of you are like, well, this is weird. We did this once before. Remember, it worked out okay. Like no one's going to judge. It's a judge-free zone. But here's the deal. Don't walk away from this gathering today carrying that hopelessness that you walked in with. Don't walk away from this encounter with Jesus wanting to carry that warm blanket of hopelessness that just feels like it's important. But remember that the God who brought you to this place is wild enough and strong enough to actually pull that off. And then we enter into the community and we learn how to dance again. Because when hope comes up, when it begins to to get real in our lives again, there's something that happens with our feet. There's something that happens. There's a lightness that takes place. So we're not going to do that right now. We're just going to be worshiping. And like, I just want to encourage you, if you're experiencing hopelessness, to come and receive prayer. Um. But what I want to do is we're going to end in sort of a, this is a a very old way of ending um, or maybe a way of beginning, but it's old. So in the, um, in the, the lectionary for this week, there are four passages and we're just going to listen to them. All these passages have to do with hope. And so what I'm going to do is I'm going to walk the mic around and we're just going to listen to these passages. And then John's going to come up. Actually, John, could you come up now and kind of like just just play some background music as we listen to these stories of hope within scripture. Isaiah 2, verses 1 through 5. This is what Isaiah, son of Emmaus, saw concerning Judea and Jerusalem. In the last days, the mountain of the Lord's temple will be established as chief among the mountains. It will be raised above the hills and all nations will stream to it. Many peoples will come and say, come, let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of the God of Jacob. He will teach us his ways so that we may walk in his paths. The law will go out from Zion, the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. He will judge between the nations and will settle disputes for many peoples. They will beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Nation will not take up sword against nation, nor will they train for war anymore. Come, O house of Jacob, let us walk into the light of the Lord. Psalm 122, a song of ascents of David. I was glad when they said to me, let us go to the house of the Lord. Our feet have been standing within your gates, O Jerusalem. Jerusalem built as a city that is bound firmly together to which the tribes go up as the tribes of the Lord, as was decreed for Israel to give thanks to the name of the Lord. There thrones for judgment were set the thrones of the house of David. Pray for the peace of Jerusalem. May they be secure who love you. Peace be within your walls and security within your towers. For my brothers and companions' sake, I will say, peace be within you. For the sake of the house of the Lord our God, I will seek your good. Romans 13, 11 through 
14. And do this knowing the time that is that now it is high time to awake out of sleep. For now our salvation is nearer than when we first believed. The night is far spent, the day is at hand. Therefore let us cast off the works of darkness and let us put on the armor of light. Let us walk properly as in the day, not in revelry and drunkenness, not in lewdness and lust, not in strife and envy, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to fulfill its lusts. Mateo 24, 33, 36 a 44. Pero el día y la hora nadie sabe, ni aún los ángeles de los cielos, sino solo mi Padre. Mas como en los días de Noé, así será la venida del Hijo del Hombre. Porque como en los días antes del diluvio estaban comiendo y bebiendo, casándose y dando en casamiento, hasta el día en que Noé entró en el arca. Y no entendieron hasta que, el, hasta que vino el diluvio y se los llevó a todos. Así será también la venida del Hijo del Hombre. Entonces estarán dos en el campo. El uno será tomado y el otro será dejado. Dos mujeres estarán moliendo en un molino. La una será tomada y la otra será dejada. Velad pues, porque no sabéis a qué hora ha de venir vuestro Señor. Pero saber esto, que si el padre de familia supiese a qué hora el ladrón habría de venir, velaría y no dejaría minar su casa. Por tanto, también vosotros estad preparados, porque el Hijo del Hombre vendrá a la hora que no pensáis. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for the hope that we have in Christ. We thank you that our, our hope is not left uh, without any muscles. It's not just this flabby thing, but you've given us the, the structure and the strength of your Holy Spirit to help us live out this hope. Father, I pray for my brothers and sisters who are experiencing hopelessness this morning. Uh, Father, may we cast that off. May we put on Christ in this. Lord, I, I pray into the future where, where we I can almost hear the sound of, of hammers, giant hammers just slamming these swords, these, these things for death and destruction into plowshares, uh, spears into, into forks that are there for the harvest, Lord. God, we can almost hear that sound, that sound of the future where your kingdom is fully present and fully realized. And Jesus, we know that even as, as you called, as, as, as God, as you called your, your nation to Israel, uh, in Israel into Jerusalem to worship, that hope is activated in that moment, Lord, that even as they were facing exile, as their camps were surrounded by enemies, Lord, that they worshiped their God and that you met them in that space and that hope began to rise up. And so, Lord, I thank you for the fact that we have been given this beautiful picture, as it says in Matthew that Jeanette read of that you are coming again and that we are to be ready. We are to be a people who are ready that we have these eyes to see hope. And we have these hopeful, uh, almost whimsical way about life because we are waiting and ready for you to come for you to fill us, for you to show up in mad in, in just in maddeningly cool ways. So God, thank you for your love for us. Thank you for hope. Father, may you meet us in our spaces of hopelessness today. In your name, amen. Thank you for listening to the podcast of The Renew Community. 
This in no way should replace the formation within a community of Jesus followers. If you are looking for a church, would like more information about Renew, or would like to give financially to this ministry, check out our website at renewcommunity.org.